Welcome to Free Exchange, podcast of Wisconsin's Badger Institute. I'm Patrick McLaren, Badger Institute Director of Policy, and we are here today with Marilyn Anderson Rames. It's a, a delight to be talking with you, Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn is a third-year PhD student in the Education Policy Program at the University of Arkansas. Her research interest rests at the the intersection of religious faith, race, and public education. Marilyn taught in Chicago's public schools for 14 years, during which time she founded the national nonprofit organization Teachers Who Pray. She also penned an award-winning blog for Education Week and Education Post. She gave the TEDx talk, Why Faith Will Fix Education, and she authored the book, The Master Teacher, 12 Spiritual Lessons That Can Transform Schools and Revolutionize Public Education. Prior to becoming an educator, Marilyn earned a master's degree in journalism from Columbia University and worked as a reporter for People, Time, Newsday, and the Journal News in New York. And I'm about out of breath, Marilyn, after running through a resume like that. You're, you're, You're a remarkable person. And it's a delight to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be on your show. Appreciate it. Well, fabulous. We're, we're glad to have you, not least of which because uh, you did some remarkable research. Uh, uh, and uh, you're we're at, as I say, the University of Arkansas, which is um, has a, a strong connection to Milwaukee and its school choice program over the years. University of Arkansas was where the, uh, uh, the research um, uh, was led, research that was commissioned years ago by Wisconsin's legislature uh, during the uh, uh, disputes at that time as to whether in fact school choice, then only in Milwaukee, not in the rest of the state as it is now, was really effective. Uh, and there was a, an astonishing um, sort of longitudinal study following students over the course of years. And that, uh, that, that research uh, eventually uh, turned out to show that, yes, school choice in Milwaukee really produced some, some fantastic results. It, it uh, led to markedly higher graduation rates, uh, it, it, real success for students. And uh, in many ways, that's the, uh, that, that's the uh, uh, that original longitudinal research is what it solidified the position of uh, school choice, um, helped, helped a lot of people, including policymakers in the state, see, the, see its worth. Now, you did some additional work based on the data that was collected in that longitudinal study. If I'm understanding it right, your study found not only does attending a private school in Milwaukee's choice program seem to correlate with young adults who run into less trouble with the law, with drug use, and with paternity cases after they graduate, years after, when they're in their 20s. So it's a lingering effect from school choice. Not only are they learning better while in school, they're living uh, more successful, peaceful lives afterward. But beyond that, your work found that this effect specifically seems to be linked to another aspect of school choice in Milwaukee. About 70% of the private schools that participated in Milwaukee's voucher program when those children were students back in 2006, were religiously affiliated. I think that's still, um, that proportion is still approximately true. 
and another 10% were secular but following in a religious tradition. So choice schools in Milwaukee are mostly religious private schooling, as your study put it. And it was this characteristic that you found to be very important for those students' later success as adults. Again, success as adults. Tell me, can you tell me more about that? Sure. Um, so as you said, I'm deeply interested in the role that religion and personal faith plays in student outcomes in schools. And this study that I did with Professor, um, my professor, Dr. Patrick Wolf, um, looked at the question of whether family religiosity has an impact on um, the outcomes that private school choice voucher programs like the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program has on students' long-term outcomes. So we were looking at the parental religiosity, or should I say how often the families went to religious services every week um, and compared that to their the students' long-term outcomes particularly of students who participated in the private school choice program compared to students who were matched with them that attended the Milwaukee public school system. And so the fact that the, about 80% of the schools were religious um, was an added bonus because then we got to see whether the parental religiosity or the amount of faith that is expressed in the homes correlated with um, students who actually had a double dose, if you can say that, of religion when they went to school. So we were looking at whether a combination of faith at home and then religious education was a complement to the students so that they had um, better outcomes, or if it was a substitutionary effect, meaning that if you have low religiosity in, at home, but then you have some measure of faith instruction at school, if one would substitute for the other in terms of um, having an added benefit for character outcomes, um, long-term as measured by criminality, uh, paternity suits, graduation rates, things like that. And, and now you're mentioning paternity suits, for instance. Um, I mean, that's not, that, that I take it as a link to whether people are having children out of, out of, uh, um, outside of wedlock. That's, yeah. that's not a criminal thing, but that's, that's sort of a, a connected to other, uh, uh, unfavorable life outcomes? Is that what uh, what's going on there? Well, our theory is, so we had the record, so we definitely want to look at it. And um, most parents, even though it's not criminal to have a child out of wedlock, it happens. That's not what we would want for our teenagers or our young adults. And by the time it reaches the courts, then there's a, a added problem because there's a denial of paternity there is a lack of caring for the child by usually the father. Um, and so that's an added stress on um, 
the students' lives that we don't hope for. So that's why we included it. We also included fines and traffic violations just because we had the access to the data and we can see, <clears throat> excuse me, we could see what the outcomes were. So all of what we looked at, you're correct, weren't crim crimes, but we were just looking at different decisions that people have made and like how those decisions can factor into trouble or, you know, discomfort later on in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, and, and to be specific, the, um, there was earlier research. We already knew that attending a Milwaukee choice school instead of going to Milwaukee public schools led to less of this in your twenties, less, uh, getting in trouble with the law, less, uh, traffic tickets, uh, less paternity suits. And, and your piece found that there was this specific, there was a link to the religious nature of the schooling. Yes. So Corey DeAngelis and Dr. Um, Patrick Wolf did a, a series of studies. I know in 2019, they produced a study about criminality in particular um, and found correlations between being a part of the private school choice program and um, versus not being a part of it in terms of having lower uh, criminal records among the graduates. Now, mind you, we're looking at students. Well, in my study, I looked at students who were in eighth and ninth grade at the time, and I compared them to when they're like 25. Um, we, we took that long, that long range look. Um, and it's not causation, it's, coral, it's correlation. We're looking at how um, the religious families, so for example, families who attended said that they attend church at least once a week compared to families once or more a week compared to families that went less than that or never. And we um, control for all of the things that you control for. Um, and the students were matched one-to-one -one very carefully between um, the, as I said, the private school voucher recipients and those who went to public school. So we're comparing religiosity um, between the two sectors, private and, and voucher um, students. And um, the results show that uh, the re low religiosity students uh, had tremendously better outcomes, especially in drug use. That was probably the most significant finding um, that drug use was um, statistically significant at the 99% um, confidence level of um, having suppressed, I guess what we would say suppressed um, the desire to use drugs or at least to be convicted of a drug offense. That was also true for misdemeanors, total arrests and fines. And um, 
it actually balanced out. There was really very little difference between the students of high religiosity that came into the, the voucher program with students with low religiosity in terms of their, um, their outcomes compared to the low religiosity students who went to public schools. That's a really crucial thing. Um, so what you're saying is that, if I understand it right, whether a student comes from a low religiosity background or a high religiosity background, whether they're, whether the kids from a, a, a essentially a church going family um, uh, or, or not makes a huge difference in when the kids in 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 his twenties, but going to a choice school helped make bring low religiosity students up to the same good results that you would expect out of a high religiosity student. Am I getting that right? That is exactly right. There was very little difference. All the outcomes, the misdemeanors, the drugs, the total arrests, as well as the fines were pretty comparable um, between the low religiosity and high religiosity students who attended the private school choice program in Milwaukee. We talked as compared early. to the low religiosity students in in the public schools. Okay, yeah, we 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 had talked a bit about this um, earlier. There was a, uh, uh, a I did a piece for Diggings, the Badger Institute's magazine, this spring, and uh, you were incredibly uh, generous in explaining your uh, uh, your research. Um, and at that time, you said there was you had said that it may be that the religious element of choice schools have their most profound effect on the unchurched population. Um, so kids who aren't getting that sort of moral ecology at home are able to get it from schools. And that's something that they, they can't get at an MPS school, which that, that's striking. What, and as I understand it, you're not saying that these choice schools are churching them up. They're not, uh, they're not converting low religiosity students uh, uh, over to, the, to their particular faith, whatever it is, but they are imparting moral and character lessons. That, it appears to be that way. I don't know. Um, there were, I don't know how exactly how many schools I'd have to look it up were in the mix at that time in 2006 and what they were doing. We don't know exactly what they were doing. We can just see the numbers and see where the kids ended up. One thing that um, Dr. Wolf and I discussed uh, after we had after we had the talk with you for your article was the peer effects could also have played a role. Peer effects meaning that not just the school itself, but the students who go to that school. So a mix of having students that are churched, that are receiving regular religious content at home, mixing with the students who have no strong faith background could have also um, contributed to the, the um, balancing out of um, moral or, or character um, decision-making you know, benefits, that's, if, if that's making sense. 
So when you're in a school (laughs) with, uh, when you're, when you're surrounded by your peers and they have an influence on you, that is from a, you know, faith background that could also affect students who do not have that kind of influence in their lives. I'm interrupting real quick to remind you that productions like these are only able to exist with support from individuals just like you. If you find value in this program, we're hoping you may want to give just a little bit of value back. The Badger Institute is a nonprofit organization that strives to create opportunity and protect liberty for all Wisconsinites. We do not accept government funding and rely solely on the generosity of individuals like yourself to support our policy and advocacy work. To learn more or make a donation, visit badgerinstitute.org. You know, I'm not a sociologist, and I don't even play one on television, but golly, that sounds like uh, the, the phrase social capital comes to mind, and, and this sounds like a description of how you build it, right? You, uh, uh, or, or, or as mother used to say, uh, uh, you want to be running with a good crowd, not a bad one. I mean, I think so. I think, I mean, students, students, uh, they need, they need inputs, right? There are no bad students, but students need guidance. They need input. They need adults to lead them in the right direction. And, Faith offers that for, it has for generations. And, and when it's not there, there is a, a lack and there is um, opportunity for other influences, negative influences to come in that vacuum and, and fill it. And so what we also did look at MPS students who had high religiosity and compared them to their counterparts in MPS with low religiosity because we were, again, looking at one or the other. Would the home faith elements or inputs help to counteract some of the negative influences that may come from a purely secular education or that vacuum that's created there by not having ability to bring morality and faith into an education? Um, environment. And so the higher, high religiosity students in MPS also outperformed the low religiosity students in MPS in only two categories and not in the four categories. And they were restraining orders and resisting arrests. So we saw that and that was significant at the um, 95% confidence level. So we were looking at sometimes there is a um, substitutionary. So for parents um, who didn't get the voucher, didn't decide to use the voucher for whatever reason, they have faith at home, they are still able to influence their child to um, an extent to where if they hadn't had that influence at home, that they would have um, worse outcomes in life. So 
you know, I, we, we don't have a very clear path. We can't say definitively that it's a either or situation, either faith at home or faith at school. But we can say that the the theory looks promising. It looks there is a pattern there that having one or the other faith at home or faith at school does make a difference because six of the 12 outcomes that we looked at were um, negative for low for low religiosity students in MPCP compared to having either faith at home or faith at school or having both. And I will add one thing about the paternity suit. The paternity suits were the only outcome that benefited having both that complementary um that complementary um, phase of having both religion at home, religion at school. The students who were high, highly religious in the Milwaukee Public School, in the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program, reduced uh, paternity suits by, I think, let me see here, uh, 6 five percentage points fewer um, paternity suits than even the low religiosity students in the mm-hmm. private school choice program. And, and, and for all the other subjects, it strikes me that one of the takeaways then is that the benefit is not, it, these schools are not as often the, um, uh, the, the critics would say just a, uh, uh, just for believers, quite to the contrary, they're offering a, a the, the greatest benefit essentially goes to kids who are coming from a not, not a very religious background. And can I also point out that what you're describing, less trouble with the law, less trouble in general when they're in their 20s, has incredible effects for other Milwaukeeans too. Suddenly the rest of Milwaukee is living in a somewhat less troubled and better society because the kids are <laughs> behaving like uh, they're, they're, they're upright citizens. They, they, they're having a happy life and so is everybody else around them. Their neighbors are, are benefiting too. Am I, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And so we, when we looked at um, criminality, I think that it's very important to note that Generally speaking, I think with exception of misdemeanors, there were about 10% or less in the entire uh, sample of like 2,100 students that had um, any kind of criminal. Because most people are not lawbreakers. Most people. Yeah, they, right. So we were were looking at about 10% of the sample that actually had those criminal records. And I think for misdemeanors, it might've been like 15% of that sample. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you, it's true that anytime we can reduce crime, anytime we can reduce paternity suits and out of wedlock births among young people, I mean, the, the 
when we pulled these records at this time, the students were about 25 years old at that point. Um, if we can reduce that, those are the formative years where you're setting up the rest of your life. And we know when you get a drug conviction, you're looking at um, having to check that you have a felony on your applications. You may even have a drug problem, which compounds the problem. And so it does affect the students for the rest of their lives if they have felonies and if they're committing crimes like burglary, armed robbery, um, assault. Yes, that affects the general population. It makes us all unsafe. So these are all, like I said, there. this was exploratory survey um, or study we were trying to see if there were connections and there's definitely room for us to do deeper work in, in this area. And I, I certainly plan to, because this is like my passion to study this. Um, but it is promising that we do need to look at religiosity and look at, I mean, we can't legislate people to go take their kids to church, but we can certainly disseminate this information and let them know that we're seeing these patterns and perhaps there's something to, uh, you know, what we kind of think of as common knowledge or conventional wisdom that like you build character, you build um, fortitude, inner strength by having uh, a, a faith, by seeing the world as um, being run by someone bigger than you. Like you're not God, you're not the boss. There are rules to this way what this game we call life you know um and and instilling that into children at an early age hopefully at home but if not then at school the idea though is that these parents had an opportunity through the choice program to put their child in a different um, environment and it seems that it paid off in the long run in 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 the area of criminality and um and fines and paternity suits and things like that. Now, you you have an extensive background as a teacher. You spent 14 years in classrooms teaching, and you were teaching yeah. in a public school environment. Uh, you in were Chicago, teaching in the yes. Chicago public schools. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's, uh, that, that's kind of a remarkable thing. Tell me this: to what extent can in a public school environment? Because I, I know public school teachers, uh, nice people. They mean well. They love kids. They're, uh, they're, they're trying their hardest to form character. What, um, are, are there certain things that just can't be encompassed in, um, in terms of character formation in a public school? Or are there and we just haven't uh, sorted that out yet? Yeah. So there are um, rules to um, teaching things of religious orientation in schools um, because of the establishment uh, clause in the constitution of which establishes that you can't establish a religion if you are a public employee working for the government, which you are as a teacher. However, the beautiful thing about faith is that it transcends words. It transcends um, uh, actual 
verbal didactic teaching, a lot of times it's felt, you know, it's love and, and it's action. So I do believe that teachers absolutely in public schools can love their students and teach them right from wrong without necessarily having to bring in the name of their God, whatever it may be, Jesus, Allah. Um, But they can definitely show the love and they can answer questions. So if the student asks them about their faith, they can give a peek into their faith because the student asked. So, um, and then of course, I'm a woman of faith. I am a Christian lover of Jesus Christ. So I do know that there, I believe, and I know that there are things that God does in hearts of people that it's beyond what anything I can do. So I would always privately pray for my students and ask the spirit of God to, to talk, talk to them directly. And nobody can stop a teacher from doing that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I started teachers who pray. And that's why I'm now studying the work from a more scientific empirical standpoint, because I want to try to put, um, some meat around what I, I believe in theory is true. I want to see what the numbers say and do that work. You know about that or, and we're, I'm told we're running out of time here. So I'll, I'll make this a, a, a fast question, but your study was remarkable, not just for what it found, but that had mentioned religion and schooling at all. Am I right in sensing that education and research just doesn't touch much on religion? Which, which is a huge factor in the lives of many, many people. Uh, it, it does not. It does not. And um, I'm, I've looked at a lot of university programs and PhD programs and choosing what university I would attend. And I found over and over that there weren't scholars for me to study under to do this kind of research and, and to collect the data. Why is the that? U.S. Department of Education does not collect any data on religion. What, what, so, what, what, what's the allergy? What's, the, what, what's stopping this? I think it's very taboo. I think it's um, people don't, they don't, they say separation of church and state, and they think that encompasses just anything that even remotely looks like faith, they run away from it. But I can tell you as a African-American woman, faith is extremely important, especially in our community. And that's showed us up in all kinds of religious surveys. African-Americans are among the most highly religiously affiliated Americans. And so to say that we can't talk about faith, it's like you obviously don't understand the role it plays in our community and other, especially other communities of color, Latino communities. It's really important. And I'm not surprised that I have to be the one to step into the space and say, no, I will study this. I will I will look at this because I think this could be a game changer for a lot of communities that have been struggling um, in the area of education. So 
this is what I do. And um, sometimes you just need someone to blaze the trail and then other people will come along and come in. Now, there have been people who have studied it. I'm not saying it's never been done, but it's not done, you know, in the way, in the in the forefront, getting the attention that it needs to get. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. Well, I'm glad you're studying it. And uh, Thank you. given the... Um, given the nature of the blossoming of options for parents in Milwaukee and now in more widely in Wisconsin over the past decades, uh, I'm glad you're doing this. It's a, it's a hugely important direction of, uh, 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 it's, it's something we need to know, something we need to be looking at. Marilyn, it has been a delight talking to you for Free Exchange, the podcast of the Badger Institute. I'm Patrick McLaren. Thanks again.